coming up this week on the Single Seater Space podcast. If you are genuinely committed to making this series a success and giving female drivers the opportunities that they deserve, why hold them back? If it was me guessing that Max Verstappen was making 34 points, it means that we wouldn't have had a great weekend. Chip Ganassi Racing won't have a driver finish in the top five. Remember, you can find all of our content on our website, singleseaterspace.co.uk and on our social media using the at singleseaterspace. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Single Seater Space podcast with so much to talk about this week as we preview both Formula One and IndyCar this weekend at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and Barber Motorsports Park, respectively. Along with that, we'll have a little review of Formula E's doubleheader in Berlin. And also, we will have a little chat about F1 Academy because um, some news has come out this week, which has really sort of been very interesting. Um we're gonna have to have we're gonna have to dive into uh, the broadcasting of Formula One Academy and what that means for the uh, the future of the series because that's uh, certainly not the news that a lot of us will have hoped for. I am once again joined by Taron and we will start with our predictions game. Um, it's gonna have a few sort of parts to it this week. I'm currently one all with Taron after um, my prediction of Marcus Armstrong in the top eight got me one point and uh, Taron's prediction of RLL. Uh, having a decent finish in Long Beach means it's one all after no points were scored in the start of the how many points will Max Verstappen how many seconds will Max Verstappen win the race by? So we'll start with this week's game, which is of the 34 points available to Max Verstappen this weekend in Azerbaijan. How many of them does he win? Uh, well, some part of me uh, feels like jinxing him and saying the full 34 because we all know that uh, I only make one correct prediction a week. Um, and if it was me guessing that Max Verstappen was making 34 points, it means that we wouldn't have had a great weekend, James. Uh, that is, uh, we would have just seen Max Verstappen dominating his way around the streets of Baku uh, ahead of his teammate. Uh, I'm actually going to say that uh, something happens in the sprint race. Uh, I don't think he's going to get some points. And I also think the main race is going to be quite hectic, but he will find his way into the top five. And I'm going to say... F- called 15 points and that's going to be a mad prediction Ooh, that's very very low um i'm gonna say that he picks up 18 plus 8 plus 1 makes 19 27 there we go quick maths uh he, i think he's gonna win the sprint get fastest lap but I, I think ultimately he'll finish second in the f1 race and fernando alonso will win the azerbaijan grand prix just because um, no driver has ever won the Azerbaijan Grand Prix two consecutive years. And uh, I feel like that trend will continue this year. And because no driver has actually ever won the Azerbaijan Grand Prix twice, I feel like it could be Carlos Sainz. It could be Charles Leclerc. But the more likely one is that it'll be Fernando Alonso of drivers who've never won the Azerbaijan Grand Prix before, meaning that Max Verstappen will miss out on eight no, seven points, uh, and get 27 of the available 34. But what do I know? He'll probably end up winning by 39 seconds. Speaking of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, we have a new format for the sprint this weekend. The sprint is a complete standalone event with its own qualifying. Um, Taran, what do you make of the new format? Do you think it could boost sprint races, having them as standalone events? Um, and uh, yeah, what do you, just what do you think of a sprint Saturday? I think we could be in for something quite exciting, James, because uh, the drivers will no longer be just focusing on preserving their grid positions for the Sunday main race where all the main points are scored. 
but they can they can go for it. They can finally uh, channel their inner young drivers um, and just uh, do a whole load of dive bombs left, right, and center. I think we could be in for some F1 open lobby level stuff, mate. Uh, I think uh, we could see somebody chuck it up the inside of the castle section uh, out of nowhere and uh, for somebody to just say, well, I am stupid, I am stupid, I switch off everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, we could be in for something pretty exciting, James. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, I mean, uh, we, we'd like to hope so, because other than sprint races in Brazil, genuinely, they've, generally, they've been rather pedestrian, um, sprint races in Brazil, just a different gravy, um, but, uh, these ones have been rather pedestrian, so hopefully, with it not having ramifications for the main race, people are more aggressive, and it brings more excitement. I am disappointed, though that the new qualifying isn't, like, something a bit spicier. It's basically just a shortened version of normal qualifying with, instead of Q1 being 18, 15, and 12 minutes, respectively, Q1, 2, and 3, it's just 12, 8, and 10, 12, 10, and 8. And I would have really liked to see Q3 be one-shot qualifying or something, or maybe the entire sprint grid bring one-shot qualifying in championship order. That would just have added so much fun to a saturday um not only would it mean that well cars are on track out for longer there's actually more on track action for spectators but also the stakes being really high for one shot qualifying would make it a really fun event so that's just what i'm a little bit disappointed by but um you know we can't have everything in life uh and i, I think it will definitely add a new dimension to the weekend um points go down from eight to one so there's not a huge amount to be gained and lost but because it's completely standalone the grid the finishing order of the grid no longer sets the uh uh well the finishing order of the sprint no longer sets the grid um we could be in for a treat and baku i mean the very long straight they've shortened the drs zone um but still i expect you expect there to be a lot of slip streaming going on um you know you won't be surprised if red bull are very strong even if i have said that fernando alonso will win um you know wouldn't be shocked if Red Bull are very strong, but uh, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix is 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 looking interesting. And some other big news this week is that Mercedes have had a big reshuffle of their technical team. James Allison is back in his previous role, which I think is definitely key uh, for their development. Um, Mike Elliott uh, shuffles back um, in the pack. Uh, what do you think, James Allison coming back? Uh, I think it's going to be a massive boost for Mercedes. What do you think? We all remember that monster car he made in 2020. He headed that. He headed the making of that car, and well, that 2020 Mercedes car is probably the fastest F1 car we're going to see anytime soon. It was just ridiculous seeing Hamilton go flat out through corners like poo on at Spa. It was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think definitely good to see Mercedes. Uh, going back to their old masters, I think it's fair to say. Um, as much as my clarity Elliot didn't do too badly, um, it just wasn't. It just wasn't working. They weren't really getting to the front of the grid. But definitely, as we talk about Mercedes bringing in new upgrades um, into this F1 23 season to try and get back to winning ways, and what I mean get back to winning ways, properly challenging Red Bull for the championship is their goal. Because uh, they're running away with that at the moment, James. We're pre well, I remember one of my preseason predictions was that Red Bull are going to win more races than the predecessor last year. And, uh, well, uh, we all remember what happened last year. Max Verstappen broke the record for the most race wins by any F1 driver. Um, and, uh, well, he just ran away with that title. So 
We want a little bit of a fight at the front of the grid because we don't really have that at the moment, James. We have Red Bull just being ridiculous in both the straight line and through the corners. Adrian Newey is an absolute god with the aerodynamics. I don't know how on earth he has gained that much speed with the DRS um, to boost that straight line speed by so much. It is just stupid. But uh, yeah. Good changes from Mercedes, and hopefully we see them at the front of the grid soon. Well, yeah, because uh, a Red Bull are 58 points ahead of Aston Martin and 67 points ahead of Mercedes. After just three rounds, they are miles ahead. I mean, it goes Verstappen by 15 points, then back to Perez, 24 points back to Alonso, and then 31 points back to uh, Lewis Hamilton. So, you know, Mercedes, the championship, is it already gone? I mean, you know, you never say never say never in Formula 1, especially with the very long season that we've got. But if they are going to be anywhere near getting back to it, then, you know, then the changes to the car concept or whatever, they've got to be back and they've got to be back fast. Um, I, especially with limited testing as well in Baku this weekend, just the one practice session before we're into sprint qualifying. It's not a great opportunity to test a lot of parts. Um, and so, you know, the upgrades that they bring, I know Baku is the first feasible place that they could bring upgrades for every team um, as it's you know closest to all of their European hubs. Um, certainly, FP1 is going to be a busy, busy track. And if we have red flags, um, they're certainly not uncommon uh, around the Baku city circuit. That really could hinder some teams setting up cars. Um, certainly one of the teams that struggles with setting up cars on sprint weekends is Red Bull which is why, um, you know, that's perhaps their only Achilles heel at the moment, along with some sort of gearbox transmission problems that they seem to be having across the season. Their only other Achilles heel has been sprint races. Um, the one in Brazil, they were certain they were nowhere uh, over the course of that weekend. And um, even before that, in 2022, the Imola, um, it was a good fight between um, Verstappen and Leclerc. But certainly, yeah, I think sprint races... They're going to be fun. Um, it's where, you know, other teams really need to capitalise. Um, and yeah, having James Allison back for Mercedes is a massive boost. The other team that really desperately needs a boost, um, the last little bit of Formula 1 that we're going to talk about before we move on, because we have lots to cover this week, is Ferrari. Charles Leclerc is behind Nico Hulkenberg in the World Championship standings. You would certainly not have predicted that this season. Um I know it's not really that Haas have been that fast. It's more that Ferrari have been very, very poor. Um, not able to kick on from their 2022 season at all, which was better than 2021. Uh, what can they do? They still have the same gremlins that they did last year, but just exaggerated. What do you think they can do? Well, I mean, it's no... I, I don't really think it's Charles Leclerc's fault in any particular instance that he's behind Nico Hulkenberg. He was... He was uh, comfortable uh, in, I think it was P3 around Bahrain before his engine just went boom, which was uh, a very common incident that uh, Ferrari had last year and something that certainly ruined Charles's title hopes. And uh, of course, in Australia, uh, Charles was left in the gravel trap at turn three by the end of lap one after his tussle with the two Aston Martins. So um, big points lost there in both occasions for Charles, but... Uh, I think Carlos Sainz will certainly want to pick up his pace. He hasn't been amazing. He, he, I mean, as much as he hasn't been woeful, he hasn't been great. So Ferrari will definitely be expecting more from him. And uh, certainly at a track like Baku, where last year they were strong until they had their double DNF with uh, Carlos uh, losing the gearbox, I believe, and then Charles Leclerc's car going boom whilst going on the main straight. 
handing the win over to Max Verstappen. Uh, Ferrari will certainly hope to reverse their luck, both at that track and both um, both over last year's uh, woeful efforts. So um, Ferrari, I do think they will turn up this weekend. I, I think um, they will certainly not be hoping to finish P5 and P6, which has kind of been where their car's been, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, they just kind of need a clean race weekend and certainly need to get some points to get into this championship fight for P2 because Aston Martin and Mercedes are both clearly fighting for P2 and the constructors at the moment with Fernando Alonso doing so ridiculously and Ferrari have lagged back. They've taken their foot off the gas, which you really cannot do in F1. Um, and as much as I'm going to put Rebel to a side at the moment just because they seem like they're in a different league... Yeah, we need to fight for P2 in the championship at least this season. So do you think Ferrari can finally get into that P2 hustle? Um, well, they've got well, they've got some major problems if they're going to do that. There's some of the, the one lap pace is there. Uh, it's clearly been there pretty much all season. But the, uh, the struggles that they have with their tyre wear in particular is really what's hindering them. And also, you know, points... I say points aren't scored on Saturdays, but this weekend there will be points scored on Saturday. You know what I mean? Points aren't scored in qualifying. Having great one lap pace means nothing if you can't back it up lap after lap. And so there is potential there, but something about that car is fundamentally wrong because um, we saw it last year. Their tyres, they just they, they just don't seem to manage over the course of a stint Ferrari to, uh, to keep the tyres sort of in the window working um, throughout well, the entirety of a stint so they they need to pick up and i don't expect mercedes to be strong this weekend um obviously lewis hamilton's back nearly popped out last season in uh baku but um uh this baku is a very sort of front heavy circuit and mercedes are much better on uh rear rear heavy circuits um like silverstone in brazil where they you know where their best performances were last year so i expect it'll be a red bull arm wrestle with an Aston Martin but I say arm wrestle like it's not sort of Mike Tyson going up against a, a, a small child so you know you know David and Goliath occasionally you know David did win but um I, I don't I wouldn't be surprised if Red Bull are very strong but I just have a sort of inkling that Fernando Alonso will win this weekend and moving on to uh, a series where we actually have no idea who is going to win um, the NTT IndyCar series goes to Barber Motorsports Park for the fourth round of the IndyCar season. And, um, well, last year it was in May, which meant technically it was part of the month of May. But this one is almost overshadowed by the fact that uh, coming up after this, we are living in Indianapolis for the build-up to uh, the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. We were testing there last week. Um, not really, you can't really dig into too much from testing, except that Marcus Ericsson was fastest on the first day, and therefore that means he'll be quickest overall throughout the entirety of the month. No, uh, sorry. Anyway, um... What that actually means is uh, we are at Barber Motorsports Park this weekend and Ericsson does lead the championship standings. Um, a track last year that was dominated by Chevrolet engines. Uh, Renus VK took the pole position and Pato Award won the race ahead of VK. It's a undulating, tough circuit to overtake on. Um, it's, uh, it's very important. Qualifying is key there. There's a massive spider um, model at... Uh, the end of turn five it's a beautiful looking track um very undulating uh and we'll start with of course with a predictions game so we will do pole position race win biggest surprise like we did last year for indycar um sorry not last year last week with indycar uh for my pole position i think 
that uh, once again, maybe Chevrolet will be strong. I think Scott McLaughlin will be on pole position this weekend. I think finally Penske will show up. Certainly last year, their road course package was as strong as anybody else's by some distance. Um, and then for the win, maybe I'm going to Newgarden or Rossi. I'll go Joseph Newgarden to win his second race of the season. Uh, and then the biggest surprise of the weekend is that Chip Ganassi Racing won't have a driver finish in the top five. Uh, I, ju I just think that last year their road course package was really poor. Um, Dixon did some Dixon worldies to uh, drag it, drag the car up. Um, Ericsson drove brilliantly at Road America to finish second. But overall, their road course package wasn't great. Uh, and I think that not one of their cars will finish in the top five. Obviously, I hope they don't. But um, that's my prediction. That's my, uh, my, my, my biggest surprise. Yeah, I mean, after last week, I predicted McLaren will do very well. I'm I am very tempted to say McLaren will do very well this weekend. But um, I am very worried that if I pick uh, Pato Ward for both pole and win, it will not go very well. So um, I will actually choose. I will. I will choose that uh, Pato Ward will take pole. I will. I do think McLaren will be strong. But I'm gonna. Pick, I'm gonna pick an Andretti who's been very strong all season and who I've talked about a lot. Roman Grosjean, I do think, will win around Father Motorsport Park. Another team who I think uh, will definitely be, be the big surprise. I think Ed Carpenter Racing will uh, do very well this weekend. Uh, certainly after Rina's BK got pole position last year, um, before Patel Ward made a, a brilliant move to take the race lead. Um, I do think Ed Carpenter Racing will be strong around uh, Bath Motorsports Park. Um, whether they kind of get into the points at the sharp end being in the top five is yet to be in question but um yeah they do certainly need to pick up what has been not a brilliant season for them don't you think well yeah they, they've they've massively struggled this season i mean pretty much both of their drivers were involved in the uh big shunt on the opening lap at st petersburg um connor daly squeezed his car through um the tiniest of gaps and then renas vk was vaulted by uh, Kyle Kirkwood a few laps later. Um, yeah, as you say, they're often very strong at Indianapolis. Um, I was hoping they'd be stronger sort of on at Texas this season, um, but they weren't. Uh, it's it's tough for uh, for Ed Carpenter Racing, I think, so far this year. Um, but yeah, as you say, I again, McLaren were very strong last year. All the Chevy powered cars were were very good around Barber um last year um bk took the pole Ward, ward took the win from second so uh i don't think your um your predictions are too crazy which means that um the month of may looms and the indy 500 is no longer double points this year which um you know splits opinion some people thought it was a good thing some people thought it was uh a, a, a sort of a gimmick that the indy 500 didn't need to be double points um but it only accounts for one race win rather than two this year, um, which is certainly interesting. But that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that certainly the Indy 500 is going to be the biggest event of the year. Um, the hype around it is massive. 100 days to Indy will premiere in sort of the next 12 hours. Um, we're here and recording in the UK on a Thursday afternoon. It's scheduled to come out at two o'clock in the morning our time uh on the cw which is great i mean more eyes on indycar and i've heard there's plenty of joseph newgarden topless uh in episode number one from those who have seen it so uh that's everything that we wanted to see and more um and i uh, predicted that uh, he will be the one in victory lane this weekend 
Uh, he needs another good result after falling back like a stone at the end of Long Beach a couple of weekends ago. Um, but yeah, as IndyCar fans, we are in for a treat over the next few weeks um, before we head up to Sunday, May the 29th and the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500, where we had a huge number of overtakes and lead changes, where we always do. And speaking of huge numbers of lead changes and overtakes, Formula E was in Berlin for its doubleheader weekend. And Taron has got his statistics at the ready for... Um, well, for Formula E, we had 82 laps around Berlin over the course of the weekend. Uh, and uh, I mean, I'll let Taron read out the statistics because I certainly think many records were broken for the all-electric series. Over to you, Taron, for the statistics. Yeah, I'm immediately going to start crunch here because we had an absolutely ridiculous weekend in Formula E. Um, across both races, we had 362 overtakes. Over 83 laps of racing, of course, uh, whilst uh, the but we were meant to have 40 laps in both races. Uh, we didn't quite get that because we had some safety cars happening. Um, so in race one, we had two safety cars and that meant we the race was extended to, I believe, 43 laps long. But in that race, 190 overtakes, James, with eight different leaders, a new Formula E record. 23 lead changes. Max Gunter got Ma Maserati's first single-seater podium since 1957. So that was a hot minute ago. And uh, uh, Sebastian Buemi had a very great Saturday. He took, I believe, his, his record-breaking 16th pole position. And then he broke the Formula E record for the amount of laps led. I think he's led about five, he's left he's led about 501 laps now in his Formula E career, and um, I'm just going to point out that I again did it, did get one prediction right this week. Um, I was messaging James that well I didn't get it right I almost got it right, but um, I was messaging James saying I didn't uh, get it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I was I was predicting that uh, Nick Cassidy would be leading the Formula E World Championship after this weekend, and. Um, we have in the lead Pascal Verlein on 100 points, but only four points back is Nick Cassidy. After what was an absolutely ridiculous weekend for the Envision Racing driver, um, I believe he was in P20. In race one, he was in P20 on lap 27. He finished the race in P5, only 15, 16 racing laps later. An absolutely ridiculous job by Nick Cassidy. Who I, who I believe he made about 20 overtakes that day. Um, and again, when he won in race two, I think he made about 15 overtakes on his way to victory. So um, it was a pretty unbelievable race weekend for Nick Cassidy. But the one thing I want to talk about is the protests that we had at the start of race two. Um, I was certainly very hyped when I saw both ABT Cooperas get a front row lockout I could not believe my eyes when I saw that because we had a wet qualifying after that ridiculous race one and uh, both ABT Coopers locked out the front row of the grid. An absolutely ridiculous effort. And uh, just as I was ready to watch the lights go out and both of those drivers do their madness around turn one in Berlin, uh, we saw some people climb over the uh, the uh, fences and uh, attempt to glue themselves to the circuit. This is Formula E, James. This is an electric championship. 
Um, I don't really know. The math isn't mathing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the math isn't mathing, and the brain isn't braining. Um, I don't know what the hell was going on. We know a German uh, climate group uh, took 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 their actions into their own hands and put their hands up and said they were responsible for the incident. But um, I don't know whether this is a good thing that Formula E is so big now that uh, we can have protesters um, at these races making making their voices heard. I don't know whether it's a good thing that we have that or um, whether it's just um, another one of those protests that we saw at the uh, UK Snooker Championship at the Crucible when uh, we had a guy go onto the table and uh, put some olive, put, put some orange powder over the table and... But, um, yeah, uh, did you really think anything of those protests, or uh, were you too focused on the 360 overtakes that we had around Berlin? The thing is, right, is both attempted protests that we've had on motorsport events in the last 12 months, both of them have failed. The Formula E one failed because, actually, the uh, TV director cut off them straight away. And so, yes, at the... Uh, yes, the... Um, Yes, that they kind of got on the track and certainly fans noticed and it was sort of reported about, but they didn't get any TV coverage. And that's really the thing that they're looking for, to have sort of their T-shirts, banners posted on the TV. So yes, they made news headlines before getting arrested, but it didn't really work. And same with the ones at Silverstone. I mean, I kind of, God forbid what would have happened had there not been that enormous crash at Turn 1 when they did run onto the track on... Um, on lap one at Silverstone uh, and sort of sit down on the Wellington straight. But um, yeah, that, both of them have failed. Certainly, I think it needs to be sort of greater awareness. Can we have like sort of football stewards lining the grandstands? Is that possible now? Um, not lining the grandstands, sorry, lining the fences even. Um, it, I mean, it'd be very expensive, but sometimes, you know, the safety of the drivers, marshals uh, is paramount and having people run onto the track is unbelievably dangerous um stupid and you know it's it's a terrible a terrible look for protesters especially at an all-electric championship which is sort of doing its best for the environment um you know testing out new battery technology that could be in your road car soon so you know tough tough one to sort of justify i mean it's not it's not justifiable at all um going on to a live racetrack um very very strange one uh, indeed uh, i won't lie um but luckily we had enough on track action that meant that we didn't have to talk about the protesters for very long um and certainly you know some my predictions didn't go well i i think i think i mentioned that stoffel van dorn would do well and in race one, Dan Tictum squeezed him into the wall by not looking in his mirrors. Uh, especially not great after Dan Tictum said that most Formula E drivers, you know, could be in Formula One. Oh, Dan, uh, wasn't his that wasn't his finest moment. Um, yeah, uh, it was uh, an interesting, interesting weekend. But actually, great that we had so much on track action because it was a great advertisement. Um, you know, we, we've had many races in Formula E around Berlin. They're always well supported, even if there are some idiots to try to get onto the uh, try to get onto the track. And actually, yeah, the racing this weekend was fantastic. But poor Jake Dennis couldn't finish the race in race one. Um, he has been having a terrible time of it recently, especially after such a strong start to the season. And 
finally for this week, uh, we need to talk about F1 Academy's broadcasting situation. I think the title of one of these podcasts a couple of weeks ago said F1 Academy will be a success. And um, the FIA must have heard us and thought, no, let's make it a failure. Let's deliberately not record it so nobody can watch it. No sponsors can see the great racing. No fans can see the great racing. So revenue will be down. Fan involvement will be down. Sponsorship involvement will be down. All because we can't be bothered to film it. The only round that will be filmed live, I assume, will be in Austin when they're alongside a Formula 1 Grand Prix weekend. Even the W Series filmed its opening rounds. Um, I mean, WTF1 managed to get people watching a kart event, 24-hour live stream. Spielberg must have cameras, certainly around. It's not a massive facility. And actually, the views from the grandstands in Spielberg, and they're not like Silverstone where you get one corner, or if you're sat at Beckett, you get a few. If you're at the top of the mountain, you can see all the way down. So if they only needed a few cameras, um, just something to get eyes on the series, because... Eyes is what makes motorsport motorsports. With no eyes, there's no money. With no money, there's no drivers. With no drivers, there's no cars, and there's no cars, and there's no racing. So they've really shot themselves in the foot, and um, it's it's disappointing. Uh, I, I can't I can't find any other word to describe it than disappointing and underwhelming. If you are genuinely committed to making this series a success and giving female drivers the opportunities that they deserve, why hold them back? The whole thing that we've been talking about is whole, the, you know, the system holds back female drivers. We've opened up a door for them and then slammed shut a couple more just in their face straight after we've opened up this door. Like, I don't get it. And it really bugs me. Um, sorry, that was just a little rant. Taryn, do you have anything more rational to add to that? Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of the FIA's Brains Not Braining. Um, it is an absolute, it, it isn't even a joke. It is just pure stupidity. And, uh, I will probably continue off James's rant now. Um, so I know the W series, right? We had a few practice sessions, which were on Twitch. I believe, uh, the races, uh, were on YouTube, uh, which was, which was actually quite nice because, uh, you didn't have to pay for anything to see the live action. But what the actual hell are you doing fia you have you have opened this new championship to display some brilliant young female drivers we are talking so optimistically in our podcast about the f1 about f1 academy and how it's going to perform and the fia have um literally as you said that they've just thought uh james and taron here are talking about f1 academy and we don't care what they're talking about so um yeah well uh, FIA uh the people do care what we're talking about the people do think that uh we should be watching these girls go around the circuit because they are absolutely extraordinary drivers so going off what I was saying about the W series I know that they weren't fully like TV coverage I mean as I was saying they used Twitch they used YouTube at least they used something because you guys weren't doing anything about it so um yeah it is just very disappointing i mean we were just talking about uh before this podcast that uh, we should just go to zandvoort um <laughs> we just go we should just go to zandvoort or whatever track formula one academy is racing out next and just uh bring our bring some cameras and just uh youtube uh the live action because um it seems like the only way we're gonna see these extraordinary women go about their business in these cars is by people doing that because the FIA don't want us to. 
Um, rant it's over. Rant over, I think it's fair to say. But um, yeah, um, as much as we were saying, well done, well done, FIA. You have now got uh, uh, F1 Academy running alongside F1 in 2024. Uh, you've literally gone one step forwards and you've gone about a thousand steps backwards. You've gone back to the Middle Ages as far as I'm concerned, FIA. Um, so um, yeah. Um, please can we watch some good racing, please? Well, yeah, uh, it's 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 so disappointing um, that we're going to get some tiny highlights packages on social media. Sorry, we will get f- fifteen minute highlight packages will come out on the Monday to TV broadcasters, right? And then we will get minimal content through social channels and behind the scenes paddock. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't want to say I don't want to say anything else because I think it's not it's not even fifteen minutes it's seven to ten minutes highlight packages I believe it it, it is shocking uh, we we're just head in hands at the moment we've got to be trying to be as rational as possible but uh, I think it's ridiculous um, and and I'll leave you to make your own conclusions with that um, but yeah as Taryn says. Uh, the uh, single seater space will be live at Zandvoort with our cameras um, <laughs> on the top of the sand dunes, uh, trying to get as much action as we possibly can in. Because um, yeah, I think it's embarrassing that they uh, that they, they they give all this um, all these ideas about you know we're doing this for the better, um, uh, and then they just simply refuse to. Uh, to make the series better so that's all we've got time for this week um you know we've ended on a little bit of a downer because of the ridiculousness that's come out in the last 24 hours or so but we are very much looking forward to the azerbaijan grand prix the uh indycar at the uh the the um at barber motorsports park and we were looking forward to f1 academy at spielberg this weekend but um We'll get to look at the live timing and see the numbers change every lap or so. So lucky us. Uh, but that is all from me and at Taryn this week. And uh, of course, we will try and review as much as we possibly can next week. Um, we'll see what we can gather from uh, this F1 Academy highlights package when it does indeed come out. Um, but that's all we've got time for this week. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>